Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, exploring the human endeavor. Friends, it's me, Kavita. Hello from the inside of my closet. Times are tough. The future is uncertain. Right now in this country, there's a lot of things that feel like the story of Sisyphus. Remember that guy pushing a rock up a hill, never quite making it to the top before the rock rolls back down and he has to start all over? The myth of Sisyphus reminds me of a word, Sisu. Sisyphus and Sisu, they sound a bit alike. They're not at all related. The Sisyphus story is Greek, and the word Sisu, spelled S-I-S-U, is from Finland. Sisu is like courage on steroids. That's from a TEDx talk about Finland. Sisu is among the many Nordic buzzwords that have been making their way into TED Talks, books, and blog posts about Nordic-inspired wellness. But Sisu has other dimensions, and I first heard about it from this guy. Sisu? So not Sisu, it's Sisu. Is that right? That's it. This is my husband. His name is Sauli. He's from Finland, and he made a brief appearance a few episodes back. Soon after we first met, you mentioned that there's this word in Finnish, and it means something like perseverance and guts and courage in the face of an overwhelming challenge. And Sounds like a pickup line. <laughs> Was it your pickup line? I mean, I guess it worked. I kind of wish I had to mention it because you keep bringing it up. <laughs> well, you said that there's no equivalent for it in English, and I think that made it kind of super enticing. But I think now I'm interested in it because you don't want to talk about it. Like when I've reported stories about Finland, Sauli has even cautioned me against asking interviewees about Sisu. Asking Finns questions about Sisu, it seems like the equivalent of wearing shorts and sneakers in Paris. Tacky and very American. Why is it that you don't like talking about Sisu? I don't know, it feels kind of simplistic or exoticizing. You know, we Americans, we talk a lot about how great we think we are. So is Sisu something that Finns talk about? It is an important word to Finns, but it's not something that we talk about among ourselves. I think it would be a, a silly conversation. <laughs> and to me, saying Finns have Sisu is kind of like saying Indians are spiritual. Ouch, I get it. I definitely don't want to do that. Here's what interests me about Sisu, especially right now as we're confronting coronavirus and the pandemic of racism in America. Many of us are changing our habits. That includes the words we use. Social change leads to linguistic change. And in this case, we're going to need resources we didn't know we had for these struggles that we may not win. Which is exactly why I need to know more about this word that my husband doesn't want to talk about. From Quiet Juice and the Linguistic Society of America, this is Subtitle. I'm Kavita Pillay. Can one word really define an entire nation of people? And when that nation evolves, can the word evolve too? Every culture and country have stories about how they suffered and prevailed. And I'm sure, you know, Finns have suffered. Famine, a devastating civil war, centuries as a pawn between Sweden and Russia, fighting off Stalin during World War II. But as my husband Sauli puts it, 
Finland hasn't suffered more than anyone else. Think of Polish or Armenians or African Americans or Vietnamese or Greeks. You know, they must have a word for this. Germans must have a word for this. Right. The German language is famous for containing nuanced emotional states in just one word. I have a, a degree as a translator from Finnish into German. Roman Schatz is a German-born author and journalist. And I would dare to say that no translator can translate Sisu into English or German with just one word. Which is part of what makes Sisu cool and intriguing, that it contains so much in just one word. And Roman says it's not just that. If you're not Finnish, you can't have Sisu. You can't learn it. He's saying this tongue-in-cheek. Roman thinks this is what many Finns feel. But he says there is a basic reality of life in Finland that requires a certain kind of sturdiness. In Finland, you cannot forget that nature is potentially hostile. It gets cold in Finland for at least half the year. I mean, (laughs) minus 30 degrees Celsius, nobody can ever adjust to that. I don't think the Finns are adjusted themselves. They just grin and bear it. I wanted to hear what Roman has to say because he's an immigrant who's lived in Finland for most of his life. (laughs) I studied in West Berlin, a town that doesn't exist anymore, in the 80s. And on the subway in West Berlin, I met a beautiful young woman from southern Finland. And because I couldn't make her come to Berlin... I had to follow her to Finland, and that's why I moved here in 1986, 33 years ago. So uh, I am what you could call a hormonal migrant. (laughs) When Sauli and I got married, my sister-in-law gave me Roman's first book, From Finland with Love. It's a collection of essays in which he makes humorous observations about Finland, the kind that only an outsider would have the perspective to write. And here I was, another outsider, reading his description of Sisu, which went like this. When a bad situation becomes even more desperate, you summon up more energy from within. As the odds get worse, you become stronger. Sisu only kicks in when you need it. It's like a turbo for your engine or something. Yeah, You don't need it unless you're going uphill. When things are smooth, you don't need Sisu. Or then, of course, one classical example is that when Finland had to fight the Soviet Union alone without allies in the Winter War. The Winter War. It's Finland's David versus Goliath story. In November 1939, Joseph Stalin attacked Finland. The Finns had a fraction of the men and weapons that the Russians had. And Russia drew Franklin Roosevelt's condemnation for attacking Finland. It has invaded a neighbor so infinitesimally small that it could do no conceivable, possible harm to the Soviet Union, a small nation that seeks only to live at peace as a democracy. But Finland managed to expel the Red Army and stay independent. It marked the country's entry into World War II, and in international news of the time, Sisu was portrayed as Finland's almost mythical power. Ever since then, when a Finn does well against all odds, it's all down to Sisu. Or like a beautiful example is a guy called Lasse Viren in 1972 in Munich in Germany. Lasse Viren. Every Finn knows that name. Viren was running the 10,000 meters for Finland in the Olympics when he and a few other runners tripped over one another. 
leading him to fall on his face. And he got up again and very angrily finished the 10,000 meters, ending with an Olympic gold medal and a new world record. And he couldn't have done that without falling on his nose, I'm sure. That's Sisu. In that way, Sisu has come to mean trying hard, experiencing obstacles, and working to overcome them. And whether you fail or succeed, you don't draw attention to yourself. Given all of this, sitting here in the U.S., it looks to me like Finland's approach to coronavirus has these hallmarks of Sisu. Yeah, I can see what you mean. You're right. Finland has had just over 300 coronavirus deaths. So far, they seem to have succeeded in containing the virus, and they haven't made a big fuss about it. This seems like quintessential Sisu, the kind you might read about in a blog about cool foreign terms. But there's also a downside to Sisu. As an immigrant, a long-term immigrant, I sometimes wonder in Finland that this Sisu, this, the readiness to accept hardship, poverty, coldness, it also has caused some sort of collective It's the obedience of the lambs, if you know what I mean. As a small nation that was devastated by a civil war, then united soon after in their fight against the Soviet Union, Finland has developed a consensus culture. Rocking the boat is very scary for Finns. In Germany, everybody's forever protesting against everything. And in the U.S. too. It's kind of the basic idea of the founding fathers, isn't it? But in Finland, very often... I get the impression that people should make more noise and they should protest and they should display a bit more civil disobedience, but they don't because this is the way the cookie crumbles and always has been and always will be. And, you know, and we can take it, of course. We have Sisu. Roman and I spoke on May 25th. Later that day, George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis by a white police officer who pressed his knee into Floyd's neck for over eight minutes. Less than two weeks later, thousands of Finns gathered in Helsinki's Senate Square to speak out against police brutality in America. Of course, it's easier to protest against the U.S. It's so far away. Russia is next door and regularly commits human rights violations, at home and abroad. Are Finns willing to speak out against their huge neighbor to the east? Or instead, do they fall back on Sisu, grit their teeth, and accept their lot? Sisu might be misused as some sort of Prozac. Yeah, we, we have to take it because we can take it. Sisu as Prozac. Also, Sisu as propaganda. That's coming up after the break. There's a new podcast that we'd like to recommend. It's called Clever Creature. In each episode, host Jason Gotts randomly selects a word, a single word, and he builds an entire show around it. He tells a story, sings a song, both are inspired by the word. And then he has a guest on to talk about that word and about creativity. Because that is at the heart of Clever Creature. It's a creative variety show. Guests this season include David Sedaris, Mary Louise Parker, and novelist Gish Jen. In the Gish Jen episode, the word randomly chosen is church, which makes for some revealing and delightful conversation. 
The podcast is Clever Creature. Listen to it wherever you're listening to this podcast. Sisu comes from a word that means the insides of a person or animal. It means guts, literal guts. Its first use dates back to the 16th century when it implied any sort of extreme emotion, especially a bad temper. But over the past century or so, it's taken on more positive associations and become a stereotypical way to describe fins and finishness. It's interesting about stereotypes is that they work and they do not work at the same time. This is Tuoma Stepora. He's a historian at Helsinki University. Tuoma studies the cultural history of war, Finnish nationalism, and the history of emotions. Basically, what the history of emotions is about, it's not just about different emotional experiences, it's also about changing meanings of emotions, changing meanings of emotional vocabulary concepts and emotional norms. I, I think it's pretty exciting. <laughs> so do I, and I'm not the only American to have taken an interest in this or in Sisu. Remember the Winter War, Finland's David versus Goliath battle against Stalin's army? In late 1939? Actually, one of the first, if not the first, uh, mentions or depictions of Sisu in English date from, from the Winter War. And especially the Americans were really uh, interested in the concept. In January 1940, Time magazine published an article on Finland and the Winter War, which called Sisu... A compound of bravado and bravery, of ferocity and tenacity, of the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit, and to fight with the will to win. A few days later, the New York Times wrote an article titled Sisu, a word that explains Finland. The Finns have a favorite word, the article declared. Like so much of Finland, which eludes definition, it is a thing felt like religion or love. The American way of seeing Sisu was rather different, perhaps, than what Finns thought about it. When we talk about the Winter War and Sisu, it's important to see that it was a piece of propaganda. In that way, Sisu has something in common with keep calm and carry on, a phrase that was concocted by the British government for purposes of domestic propaganda in 1939 as the country prepared for World War II. But during the Winter War, Finnish authorities didn't use Sisu so much in their domestic propaganda. Instead, Duomo says they actively promoted Sisu to foreign reporters. They made Sisu a showpiece of sorts. Duomo has written that Sisu was coined as a collective quality of a small northern nation who's been forced to endure harsh climate and hostile neighbors. But it's never become part of the everyday vocabulary for Finns. So I wondered whether Sisu has any personal resonance for him. It is not something that um, I really have reflected upon in my personal life. But for me, it's become a research subject. Duomas is a bit reluctant to talk about Sisu. If I should give a sort of definitive way I see Sisu, uh, which I really rather reluctantly do, but it's something that you should not talk about, because once you start talking about it, it's not CISO anymore. It's something that you should learn by not mentioning it. 
he sounds just like my husband, Sauli. When I talk with Sauli and Thuomas about their personal perspective on Sisu, it feels like a Zen Kon. The Sisu of which you speak is no longer Sisu. And yet, Sisu is making a comeback. It's been promoted abroad or outside Finland as as something of a trendy character at the moment. That connects Sisu with other Nordic characters which have been rather fashionable lately. There's been a slew of books in recent years, all focused on Nordic words like the Danish word hugga or the Swedish word lagom. There's even a book titled The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. In 2018, two books about Sisu were published for international audiences. So there's a shift toward looking at Sisu as part of these other Nordic terms that you might find on lifestyle or wellness blogs. But there's more to Sisu than some of these other words. I became very interested to understand how humans persevere in the face of extreme adversity. And how do we keep on going when we feel that we reach the end of our capacities? Emilia Lahati is a researcher. She's brought her ideas about Sisu to the TEDx stage. I'm doing a PhD in applied psychology and theoretical philosophies. And Sisu is the focus of Emilia's PhD, which makes her the first person in the world to do a PhD on this topic. She's also a long-distance runner, though that is an understatement. In 2018, she ran 2,400 kilometers across the entire length of New Zealand in 50 days, all while making stops along the way to talk with people about her experience of being in a relationship that involved domestic violence. It's part of her campaign called Sisu, Not Silence. When I started researching Sisu in 2012-13, so there was really nothing on it. You know, there was not one single peer-reviewed article, not one single book on Sisu. All the material that I found online were pictures of trucks. Because there's a brand of Finnish trucks called Sisu. Like Tuomo Stepora, the historian, and Roman Schatz, the writer, Emilia says Sisu is complicated. It has many facets. Because there's like constructive Sisu, balanced Sisu, which is a good kind of Sisu. And then you have the destructive Sisu as well. So Sisu can be either. You know, it's it, uh, the quality itself is just a tool or it's a potentiality. So Sisu can also be very uh, harmful. It's a very important part of the conversation, actually, to... Uh, Include that. And here's where Sheep Parts Company with previous generations and their understanding of Sisu. And from the very beginning, I kind of carried my own feminine energy to it and my own philosophy and my viewpoint and being a trauma survivor, you know, so I was very attuned to the nuances of the concept. And, you know, it could have been someone who would research Sisu from a vantage point of war, for example without bringing topics like virtue and balance and softness as its counterpart. Remember the unease that my husband and historian Tuomas Tepora have when it comes to talking personally about Sisu? Well, I wonder if this is a, a, rated, a related idea, and I, I wonder mm. what you make of it, that if you talk about Sisu, it's no longer Sisu. No. No, this sounds like Fight Club. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. 
Sisu has been very masculine. No wonder if there would be a saying like that, because it would kind of be rising from this space where you're supposed to be quiet and you don't ask for help and you don't discuss your problems. In 2017, I went to Finland to produce a documentary on the country's 100 years of independence. One young Finnish woman I spoke with talked about her great-grandfather. He had fought in the Finnish Civil War, but never talked about what he experienced as a soldier. And he later committed suicide. What we know from trauma, psychology and people who have researched wars, and that it takes about three generations at least, where there's a shift where the negative impact of it is not so overbearing. There's almost like a reset, a new start. Emilia isn't the only Finn intent on updating Sisu from its masculine wartime associations. In my more recent reporting from Finland, the Finns who were most likely to bring up Sisu during interviews were women. There was the female ice swimmer who evoked Sisu, a young single mom who named her son Sisu. Turns out it's rising in popularity as a first name. Plus, the two books about Sisu that came out in 2018, both are by women. And in a Helsinki department store, I even found a new Sisu-themed line of face creams. Sisu can now be used to shield your face from pollution and aging. And in some ways, when you think about it, Finland has had hardship in the past. But these days, Finland's probably one of the easiest places to live. My husband Sauli isn't likely to start talking about Sisu. But he agrees that there is a shift in how Sisu is being understood. And maybe that has something to do with how Finland has transformed. You know, government is working very well. You have long vacations, manageable work hours. You can trust the police. You don't have to save up for your kid's education. You know, it's even the happiest country in the world. To survive from one generation to the next, everything has to evolve. People, countries, words, especially words. That's our show for today. This episode was edited by Patrick Cox. Our sound designer is Tina Toby. Thanks also to Philip Martin, Paul Peterson, Jeremy Helton, our co-producers at the Linguistic Society of America, and the world on your local public radio station every weekday. One hour of international news. Essential listening. Subtitle is a proud member of the Hub and Spoke Collective, All the podcasters at Hub and Spoke tell stories based on ideas, wherever you find them, among artists or scholars or just walking down the street. One of the podcasts is Culture Hustlers. It's about what it takes to be an artist, creatively and financially. Host Lucas Spivey talks to creators in his mobile studio, which is housed inside a 1957 Shasta camper towed by a 73 Canadian ambulance. For more info on Culture Hustlers and all the Hub and Spoke podcasts, go to hubspokeaudio.org. We'd love it if you could rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks, and we'll be back soon. Subtitle is made possible in part by a major grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities, exploring the human endeavor. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.